0: Good to see you guys, my name's Pat Smith, back here with City State Podcast uh, for another one uh, here in beautiful downtown Louisville at the Urban Design Studio, what's
1: going on y'all?
2: I'm Patrick Puma,
1: and I'm Patrick Henry, oh, Oh, I interrupted, sorry, (laughs) Uh, yeah, we're all coming at you from the Urban Design Studio, in the new Harmony building, is that what it's called?
2: uh this is the republic building the harmony yeah. would be next door but the whole campus is called the uh new vision for health campus what is going on with that we
0: didn't talk about that last time and i know it's not on our our agenda uh our carefully planned out agenda <laughs> but uh but what, what's what's the deal here urban design studio is back yeah there's some new sort of um direction new facilities what's 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 happening
2: yeah, so I was brought back on full time at UofL to dedicate my time running the Urban Design Studio. Again, it's been about seven years since I've been able to do that, and the Urban Design Studio has been pulled into the School of Medicine uh, under the Envirom Institute and really going to be focusing on, a lot of it's right now focused specifically on downtown, but The the bigger overarching thing is how the function and design of our cities improves people's and environmental health. We moved back downtown to really focus on downtown because there's a lot of things that need help here and uh, being able to be here and how much time I I mean, for almost all of the time that I've lived in Louisville, I've worked downtown in some some form or fashion and like uh, being back here and being able to meet with stakeholders and things like that directly it's been uh really beneficial
0: you know sort of looking at um i guess zoning changes for waterfront park you guys check this out um it's uh marcus green wdrb titled distilleries bike shops museums and more plan would create new uses near waterfront park so it looks like there's an ordinance uh this is a proposal last week coming out of um Metro Council, I'm not sure who the sponsors are. Oh, Madonna Flood is the sp- is one of the sponsors, it looks like here. And I guess the idea, maybe this is, I feel like this kind of idea, and I don't know the background of it, I don't know where Councilperson um, Flood is coming from with this, but it seems like an idea to like another idea, like how can we get downtown going again? And I guess the idea is like new development kind of in the River Road v- vicinity where there's a lot mm-hmm. of uh, green space, but I mean, all that stuff's in the floodplain, right?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's on the other side of the flood wall, isn't it? But
0: if approved for Metro Council, 12 new categories would be permitted in a W 2 waterfront district. Uh, this would include antique shops, banquet and event spaces, bakeries, art galleries, artist studios, uh, bicycle sales businesses, museums, arboretums, historical buildings and grounds, museums and libraries, among other things. Breweries and distilleries would also be permitted and could have tasting and tap rooms.
2: I mean, that's a big deal I hadn't heard about it but I mean when you take the big 4 pedestrian bridge and walk over to Indiana as soon as you get to the bottom there's like an ice cream store and then there's like a bar with pizza and things like that and like as soon as you walk off they have all kinds of stuff happening and
0: we have a parking lot Yeah there's a
2: parking lot there is a building there that Well was, we have had, a
1: park It's a beautiful I mean it's
2: a it's a great Great asset and it's way better than the uh scrapyards that
1: used to be there back in the nineties, I think. But uh, what they don't have is an interstate that runs that sort of, you know, that cuts it off from cuts the rest it of the yeah, yeah. That's definitely probably the biggest reason that it's
2: like that. Yeah. But Still, there should be more things to do once you get off of there. I mean, even if it's like a little little shops and stuff like that along there, it'd be really great to see. but you you have to walk a little ways.
0: Yeah, it looks like I guess the idea is kind of making that whole river road corridor into more of like a commercial district.
1: which makes sense to me. I mean, there's the uh, the apartment complex down there that I'm really I'm surprised more hasn't sort of come developed beyond that.
0: I don't know, you guys definitely checked it out. There was the really uh, interesting sort of series from Louisville Business First about transportation issues. Uh, I guess this is a part of their Opportunity Louisville uh, thing that they're doing. Uh, They did one on public transport, uh, TARC and and, and buses. They did one on Amtrak, um, which we don't have in Louisville, one of the largest uh, American cities that does not have any Amtrak at all. Uh, They did one on cycling and they did one on the airport. Um, in, in, in air air travel. And I guess we've got some big new direct flights, Boston, San Francisco, uh, big news. I'm not as interested in the air flight, um, air passage one, but all the other three, I'd love to talk about with you guys. I, maybe we could start off with the Amtrak one because I mean, there's like, this is, I love the way that uh, David Mann, uh, managing editor of Little Business First sort of framed this. Basically, I mean, everybody, was it earlier this summer or late last spring, the, the new maps, the new investment, the new planning money, the new Amtrak federal money, um, I, I forget exactly what federal dollars um, those are coming from. I, I guess just uh, straight up transportation dollars, they're going to go through the Federal Railroad Administration is the deal. But all kinds of maps, um, there was, so in, in looking at our part of the world, uh, people like were like, wait, what? Like, what is this sort of, and these are like visions, they're plans, they're not real maps, but there was one map that sort of showed like, a, a rail line coming from Chicago down through Indy to Louisville and then something like, and then disconnected, and then something like picked back up in Nashville going down to Florida or something. And it was like, wait a minute, why can't the rail connect Kentucky? Uh, you know, I guess the, the idea here is that Louisville doesn't have Amtrak service. W- w- what is happening? And, and, and my point being like, David, the way he framed the story is great because he asked everybody in, in, in Indiana and Kentucky, localities, state DOTs, and no one's applying for any of this planning money or or future Amtrak money that he can find, which to me is is interesting. They, they he literally asked everybody that could be asked. They asked the Metropolitan Planning Organization, KIPTA here. They haven't heard of anything. Um, and, and and hilariously, like a lot of the people they interviewed, including uh, little Metro uh, government folks, are like, "Sounds great. We'd love Amtrak here, but like no one is wants to discuss that that they're that they're doing anything around Amtrak." So. Um, That would be a great, I guess, scenario here if they are doing something and just can't talk about it yet. But it sort of sounds like maybe no one's going to apply for this money.
2: I mean, part of it's just they want to they're just at this point, they're just looking for people to show they're interested. They don't even have to have the proposal yet. It's just, yeah, we would like to have Amtrak going to Indianapolis or whatever. But, you know, part of it is that they're at least locally, they're saying, well, it's really kind of up to the states because, once you leave louisville heading north you're in indiana so you're gonna have to deal with them and they're gonna have to be the ones asking for that but i was thinking about like why aren't we exploring and this gets back to what you were saying a little a couple minutes ago why isn't there are we even looking at a connection between louisville and nashville yeah like like historically just just yeah (laughs) lnn but also it's like the the the, the fastest growing city in our region yeah. and it's two and a half hours of a drive um, if I, we could connect that with Amtrak and you could be down in Nashville yeah. uh, even if it does I mean and then the idea of like someday maybe that connects further south and then you can go up to Chicago but just that connection alone like I don't go to Nashville as often as I go to other like c- Cincinnati and stuff
1: just because it's a lot faster to get to the other places You know, I wonder if rail service is just... Really, it's hard to tackle rail service on a metropolitan or state uh, approach, and you really need a regional approach, right? And so what it almost seems like what you need are states, sort of state DOTs working to create a strategy for for states and cities to connect. Because, like, when I was in Germany this summer... The state is dealing with, like, I could go from Berlin to Hamburg to, you know, the Baltic Sea to whatever, right? On regional trains, and they came every, either every hour or every two hours. and But but that's a whole state, right? Germany's the size of Indiana, uh, Kentucky, and Illinois together. And so you can start to see how when you can put enough... Sort of landmass together that are connecting all the dots, then you can really yep. do it. But I think as a as a metro or state, it just seems like a system set up to to either fail or just serve the the, the loudest person in the room.
0: Totally, totally. And it, you know, I mean, and back to that map that that came out earlier this year that sort of had that weird disconnect through Kentucky. But like, it, it, is that map for real? Is that really driving planning? Because like this story. Um, from Business First here, I mean, they're like, n- no discussion of Nashville, like you brought up, Patrick, is even in this, which to me is like bizarre. You know, Metro Louisville government is saying like, you know, we don't know we would defer to the state of Indiana to do this because obviously that, if the focus is on connecting up to Indiana and then Chicago, then that's an NDOT thing for them to build that. Really weird statement in this article that they got from a PR guy. So the guy is like, Um, This PR guy from actually from Amtrak that I guess they 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 interviewed for this He said that the tracks that run between Louisville and Indianapolis would not support high-speed rail in order to make a train Ride worth it for most customers. It would need to be faster than a car can go on the highway The current rail line is slower But I mean to me, I don't give a damn if it's high speed or not It's just the whole point is not driving, you know The whole point is having a way to get to Indianapolis, Chicago that doesn't involve uh, pouring toxic gas into the sky. like and if it takes you know, eight or 10 hours to get to Chicago from
1: Louisville, who cares? Well, they had that. I mean, there was (laughs) a... Eight to 10 hours is a bit
2: much. There was a... Amtrak had something (laughs) going up to Chicago, I don't know, it was like maybe 10 years ago. Uh, It wasn't that long ago, but it took like, I think, 12 hours to get there. And it's like nobody was taking it because it was so slow. If you can get there in five and a half hours in a car, you need...
0: I think people miss it on that because... You know, say you're going to Indianapolis and it's going to take four or five hours and your train was leaving at 8 a.m. Um, I mean, that's all, you, you, like, you got Wi-Fi, you can kick back, you can do your work. You're, you're not, like, locked in, stressed out, in a death machine, death cage on the interstate, you know, pouring toxic gas into the sky. You're on a train, you're chilled, you're having coffee, you're reading your book, you're doing your work. And to me, that's why, like, th- this, this idea that this, if it's not high speed, like, we're not interested thing, like if that's if we're held to a high speed standard for all of intra city rail like in this nation, it's never it's never gonna happen. It already well, seems like it's never. Well, my happen. question: you know,
1: is what, what is high speed? Right.
0: In this argument, it's comparative to getting there at the same time it would take you to drive. I guess is what this argument. And is. And
1: that's that's only sixty five miles an hour. That's a reasonable like that's not
2: high speed really, but I mean like, but I think you're right like. High speed, I picture it as something that competes with air traffic. High speed's over 100 miles I don't an hour.
0: Maybe I'm like a weird person, but the idea of just me chilling and like working or, or reading, even if it takes twice as long, seems vastly more appealing to me than like climbing into a car and, and driving somewhere. I'm, I'm, I could just be like an outlier.
2: A difference, too, there, or at least, you know, it's a benefit to go to Chicago because once you get there, you can take transit when you get there. But the reverse isn't so much true. If you if you take a train from Chicago to Louisville, you once you get here, you're still going to have to rent a car for the most part. Like you're almost most likely not going to be able to like get around and do stuff in Louisville, uh, the places you want to go without. Louisville, baby. That's true. I mean, we do have options. There's scooters and stuff, but, uh, you know, that's where the the second article you were talking about uh, with buses and things like that, um, uh, Carrie Butler, who's the executive director, mentioned something about the light rail that was supposed to be worked on in Louisville uh, back in, I guess, the late 90s. I remember hearing about the T2 or uh, transportation tomorrow it would
0: have been implemented in the mid-2000s yeah
2: but they were planning they spent uh, like more than a million dollars i think on the planning and everything like that and and then the, oh God, ohio- like three,
0: they had like three literally i'm not joking like 300 meetings
2: yeah and they had but they also had the ohio river bridges project that was going on and whatever you know we can maybe get into the talking about that in a second but the whole idea was that that got kind of shelved. And then, you know, there wasn't an appetite for anybody to even like try and bring that back up. But this article made me think that, you know, one, uh, Carrie sounded like she was interested in that not being a dead topic, which really was a positive thing for me to get out of that. But also it started making me think because we're talking about transportation into like Bullitt County and places where there's a lot of expanded growth in like warehousing and businesses and stuff that uh how do we get people from Louisville down there to work? And I hadn't thought about I always thought the the light rail was mostly get people downtown and to the airport and things like that but maybe the it, the idea of actually going down into Bullitt County is going to be even more beneficial because it's bringing people from Louisville to where a lot of the jobs are uh even though not a lot of people live down there.
0: Totally. This is a Did you have someone that?
1: Well, I I love that idea, but we run into the challenge that you just brought up, which is Chicago to Louisville. Once you get here in Louisville, how do you get to wherever else you're going? So let's say you go from Louisville to Bullock County. Do you take an Uber? Well, that's what I'm saying the light
2: rail stop that would get you. uh, I mean, it probably, unless you have a circulator once you get to Bullock County, because they're not all in one spot. But getting people, the workers, closer to there and then. But yeah, there would need to be more, like we got into this discussion a long time ago about the difference between a streetcar and a a light rail and what their their services and things like that are much different, but streetcars and things like that would be what you need to get around the city. And what
0: they proposed for T2 back in the, the aughts was really a kind of a hybrid system. You know, if you look at the map, it's kind of almost, maybe, I don't know if there's many other examples of how hybrid of a system that was like it, these like sort of more regional across, you know, town from the airport to downtown, like huge swaths, more light rail style. And then when you look at the T2 map downtown, it, it's like stopping every 800 feet or something. It's like, how does this thing even work? Is this going to take all day to get around on this thing? Yeah. The, the, the bus thing, the bus story as a part of this business first um, uh, series that, that dropped today Michael Jones wrote this. Good stuff. They got some interesting data in here on on like routes. You know, the the Broadway route, the Preston Street, uh, the Dixie Corridor. The, these are a hand. These are a, one of like the very few routes that have ten that, that have fifteen twenty minute headways. That's one of the busiest routes. But uh, I mean,
2: or is it they have that headway because they're the most heavily used area, so they've been able to make that work?
0: Yeah, that, yeah. that, that that's very valid. Really kind of stark here. I mean, they they talk a lot about how I guess COVID is affected TARC, the lack of ridership. I mean, some like they've got this chart looking at uh, ridership since, um, gosh, what, is, what does that say? Let me, let me make this way bigger. Uh, since 2012, the ridership number was uh, like 13 million rides a year. And then this is down to 4 million rides last year, in 2021, four and a half million rides. So, I mean, I think some of that has to do with service cuts, various funding cuts, Um, I know we lost Lulift, uh, which was uh, a a shuttle that kind of went around the parts of the core city that was free. I think that really kind of probably bumped up some numbers. I know some express routes were were cut and that took years. I'm sure that decreased some routes. But, you know, now, you know, just there's like new money this year, a new story where they're bringing back these like far flung routes that are like taking people from Louisville over to like industrial parks in completely rural like industrial areas of Southern Indiana. So I don't know what the answer here is with TARC. I mean, I think a big problem is that we expect TARC to to have all these coverage routes. We're not going to have buses that have very few people on them going out and making these circuitous routes way far out in the suburban areas versus the small amount of routes that we have that have, much higher frequency headways that are in town and that are actually moving a lot of people. We have a few frequency routes and lots of coverage routes. And my vision would be that there's some way that we separate those and they're different agencies. I don't know, it just, it it, it cripples TARC that they have to send these buses out to the far suburbs. Um, Because, you know, if that one person, that ride is on that one bus that you see out on Hurstbourne if their bus gets canceled, they're going to hear about it from their council person, and their council person is going to go to TARC. Um, but there's—it's even more than that. There's like federal, like policy that says that you know, you have to go through a lot to can't. You can't just make a decision to cancel these routes. You have to do a lot of paperwork to show that this route is no longer tenable.
1: I was sort of going through this like a little bit of a crisis myself, and I thought, well, I'm going to start riding the bus in. Uh, and I did that in the summer. Right now, we're all, we all ride in together, my wife, my kiddo, and myself. We all come in together because we're all downtown within a few blocks from each other. So it's one car. And so I, don't, I feel much better about that. Um, but, you know, I've sort of dismissed, I mean, I, even myself, you know, I'm, I feel like a progressive person. But I've dismissed the TARC system as, hey, it's not easy to use and all this stuff. And um, I just determined, okay, why why have I decided it's not easy to use, right?
0: Is it easy for you to use? It's
1: really easy. So for, now, from where I live. Now, I'm fortunate in that I only have to take one bus. I think if I had to take it's multiple crazy. buses, it might be different. Um, but I can. I just want to say, like, go get a tart card at Kroger and or at your local yeah. grocery store and fill that sucker up. It's super cheap. And... I just want to—you can literally, if you have a smartphone, pull it up on Google Maps. Where you're going, where you are, where you're going, and say you're doing it on transit, it'll tell you what bus to get and when that bus is coming. And I think it's easier than people think it is.
0: You live in a relatively suburban part of of, of the city, the county. How far do you have to walk to get that bus, and then how long does it take for you to get downtown?
1: (laughs) So— that's a good question. Now, this is this is the um, this is the conundrum I'm in, right? I'm in a subdivision, so I'm outside of the Waterson. I'm in a subdivision that has no access to where I need to go. Like, there's no sidewalk, and there's a bridge that I have to would have to cross between Jersey barriers and traffic, like a narrow bridge. I'd be taking my life in my own hands if I were biking so it or around? walking it. So it's basically you approach it as a park and ride. Yeah, so yeah. the park stop is less than a mile from where I am. and uh, But the problem is getting out of my subdivision, right? That's, a, that's an issue, which is frustrating and annoying. But once I'm, you know, I can catch the bus and be in my office in about 40 minutes. So it drops me off about a block and a half from my office. How One long bus. does
2: it take you to get there when you drive?
1: It takes me about, um, you know, it takes me about 25 minutes. So it takes me 15 less minutes. And it's when you were talking about going to Indianapolis and things like that, I think there's some time percentage, right? An additional 50% you can bear, right? But anything over that or whatever. But I enjoy it. I enjoy it. when I do take the bus. You know, I will um, pull out the iPad, look at Twitter or work. Or do something like that Um, and it's it's a little disappointing when I get on the bus there may be one other person on that bus so you understand when in this article when they talk about a bus ride being costing $15 you know per trip you can see how that weighs in but at the point at which we get to like lower Brownsboro Road and start to head over towards Frankfort Avenue we have picked up a few other people um, I think if there were people along at every stop, it would take me an hour to get in, right? Because there are 42 stops. Wow. 42 stops? 42 stops.
0: Yeah. It's a coverage route. Yeah. yeah. But this is that was great. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Uh, the, the article on, on, on this, this article uh, as a part of Business First's um, series on transit and transportation. That was from Michael um, L. Jones. Uh, the Roadless Traveled, White Tark Ridership on, is on the Decline and funding Constraints. Where does public transit and level go from here uh, there was one more i think we wanted to talk about and that was the one on biking this one was from uh, laurel Deppin. where level falls in bikeability and how it can improve i don't know if you've noticed the sort of through line of uh negative uh, headlines for all three of these stories uh about amtrak bikes and buses uh none of none of these are are areas where we're performing well maybe i guess the one we're leaving out the airport one maybe that one is the success story one um but yeah like uh i I don't know this starts out from you know a little bit what we talked about last week her very first sentence more bike lanes have been a key initiative during louisville mayor greg fisher's 12 years in office something for which political opponents have criticized him what is i don't understand what she's talking about we don't have any bike lanes in this city we have painted lines on the street we have a couple separated bike lanes that are separated with plastic flex posts, which cars can go right through. We don't have one really separated bike lane. What we have is paint on the ground that's completely dangerous. Studies have come out that show that sharrows are dangerous and lead to more deaths. We don't have bike lanes. This is not Mayor McBite Lane. He's not Mayor bike Lane. Anyway, biking, what do, you, what do you guys think? What did you guys get from the story?
2: The fact that, uh, at least according to the article, was talking about successful biking cities spend at least three percent of their budget, yeah, and more like five to ten percent when they're being more aggressive, and we're spending way less than one percent on. I mean, what is it, two hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollars?
0: Yeah, my, my my friend Matt um, on on Twitter worked out the numbers, and he's he, he's saying that uh, depending on whether you count total city expenditures or just the general fund then that $500,000 represents either 0.38% or 0.7%. So the article's saying less than 1%, but what the article should have been saying is less than (laughs) 0.1%.
2: When you're looking at the other cities and how much they spend on bike facilities, like they're including the things that you're writing off as not being bike facilities because it's just paint, I'm sure a lot of those cities that spend 5% of their budget, not all of it is actual separated bike lanes. Yeah, so.
0: yeah totally, totally. And, I mean, away from the budget thing and just some other, I mean, I, I, I think this is, you know, it's a good piece. And I'm, I'm glad that um, Business First put it out. I'd like, to, I'd like for Business First to maybe jump back into this uh, with a harder look. I think they should probably bring in, I mean, they've got a, a guy from a, a bicycle advocacy group that doesn't even live in Louisville, quoted here, um, they did not uh, seek quotes from very strong and active local advocacy groups, Streets for People. Those folks aren't in here. But they did get a quote from a local guy from um, the, 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 the Louisville Bicycling Club. I'm um, basically saying the main detriment to cyclists. I think, he's, I think he means to say deterrent to cyclists. But anyway, the quote is, the main, deter- the main detriment to cyclists in Louisville is education, both on the part of the cyclists and drivers of how to exist safely together on the road. And like, to me, this is just like not a good, it's just not a service like for what's really happening, um, in, in the, the, w- w- what's going on, on, on with bicycling here. To me, the main concern of cycling in Louisville is the fact that the roads have been designed to let cars go as fast as they can possibly go on neighborhood streets. And also we've moved into this like era of extremely immature drivers Um, driving recklessly in a way where they don't care about cyclists on the road possibly out of some kind of politics of their own where this is like these are wealthy people or these are Democrats or they're liberals and F them it's their fault they're in my way so it's okay for me to just run them over because they shouldn't be here anyway and this is this is like you know there are people like like really great thinkers that are like okay well we don't want to talk too much about the the nut behind the wheel theory because like that's letting off engineers off the hook. Like like when you say it's just crazy drivers are causing this stuff, that's 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 saying that street design is not the paramount thing. Street design street design is the paramount thing. Of course, governing the speed of vehicles would be the easiest thing to do, but we're nowhere near there yet. But I, I can't let go of this idea of the nut behind the wheel as still a reality. Like yes, streets the street design is massively important, but there still are nuts behind the wheel, and increasingly so. In this sort of like, increasingly authoritarian, pro-Trump, whatever, like is going on. Like people, a hundred percent. That's like where the whole mirror McBike lane stuff comes from. It's identity politics, and if somebody's on the road, on a bicycle, then that makes them, like, somehow your enemy, you know? And like, that, that's the thing that really happens that, that I think some of the critics can't dismiss.
1: I'm a little surprised that Lexington ranks dead last in this, um, in this study, because- The they
0: cited from People for Bikes?
1: Yeah, and I don't, so I don't know where the information's coming from. I do feel like that sort of a, a per capita they are spending money on their bike and multi-use path infrastructure. They have a network that is interconnected, that gets you from urban to rural, and it's real, and it, I think it works.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that might be just like a, a, an artifact of uh, the, the city-county merger there. I, I need to look closely at the People for Bikes data, but I, I'm guessing that they're including the whole sort of county area at at some place in their denominator and that's sort of juking the stats you'll see in a lot of city rankings that include merged city counties that we tend to fall to the bottom because uh you know whether you're talking about uh jacksonville nashville louisville lexington it's like most other cities aren't hundreds of square miles and at some point in these metrics the size of your city like is a factor in creating these statistics and that could be what it's about but um Anyway, great, great series of articles from Louisville Business First uh, and their Opportunity Louisville uh, series. It looks like they have um, an event coming up on this on uh, September 8th. Um, Bringing the special report to life is what they're saying. And it's going to be a panel, uh, a digital thing, 10 a.m. September 8th. Go check it out at uh, bizjournals.com slash Louisville. Uh, You can get tickets and uh, hear a great panel with Kerry Butler. Uh, director of uh, Transit Authority River City Tark, uh, they got a uh, director of marketing um, and development from the airport, and they got uh, this guy Dave Snyder from uh, People for Bikes, who lives in another city, um, so uh, this has been a great, uh, great episode, any any final thoughts, any any announcements, what's going on guys, before we, we, we head out?
2: Uh, I mean, it's kind of off the topic of anything we talked about today, but World Fest is going on down by the river, which is always a pretty interesting thing to go check out just because, uh, I mean, this has been in the news recently, but Louisville's uh, one of the major refugee relocation sites and our fastest growing population are refugees and immigrants. And it's great to have something that celebrates all the different cultures that are here. And I like having that downtown.
0: City State's back, unbeatable. Um, here with two episodes in a row (laughs) Uh, I mean we could have another one next week or we could see you all in 2023 who knows (laughs) alright you guys uh, uh, good talking and let's hopefully do it again soon alright peace out thanks to uh, J. Todd Dockery and Brian Manley uh, from The Smacks for our fantastic theme music and as always hit us up at underscore city state uh, to get in touch or to uh, file your complaints, criticisms uh, or kudos All right, there you go.